hard-hitting medical truth, cutting through conflict and confusion to the understanding you're searching for. Join Dr. Peter McCullough, world-renowned medical expert and practicing physician for this edition of the McCullough Report. Your life may depend on it. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Loud Talk Radio. This is the McCullough Report. Walking in Memphis, do I really feel the way I feel? You know, I'm not in Memphis, but I can tell you I'm in Jackson, Mississippi, and we have another couple big days ahead of us. 
this issue of the McCullough Report is dedicated to the Deep South. Uh, this song just reminded me of Catfish and the Mississippi River Delta, uh, Jackson, Mississippi. This is the uh, state capital. Uh, we have the single large medical center here and a terrific show for you as Medical Truth, Pandemic Response, Lessons Learned. It's all happening here in Jackson, Mississippi this week, and we have it all for you on the McCullough Report. I have an exclusive interview with Dr. John Witcher, who uh, has been on the McCullough Report before, and we have a late-breaking announcement. I'm not going to tell you what it is. You're going to have to listen to the interview, but it's a major uh, news story here in Jackson, Mississippi, and we're breaking it here on the McCullough Report. So let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is a McCullough Report. Do you know there's no other condition that I'm aware of where vitamins and supplements make such a big difference than COVID-19? We have a, an abundance of data that we need to be replete with a variety of micronutrients, and that includes vitamins, minerals, and other substances our bodies need. I rely on Healthy Cell Super Boost. That's Immune Super Boost. It's a, a gel pack that can be taken every day. I like to do it before I exercise and before I go out. It's a wonderful supplement. It gives me the Immune Super Boost that I need. Go to HealthyCell.com, use the promotional code OUTLOUD, and get a discount on your first order. Let's get real, let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free, love it, or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. Let's get real, let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is the McCullough Report, and I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. I'm here in Jackson, Mississippi, and I can tell you it's exciting. We're in a hotel lobby, so you could hear a little bit of noise in the background, but this is what it is when we're out there in the medical freedom movement. And my guest today is Dr. John Witcher. Now, Dr. Witcher has been on the McCullough Report before, so he's been introduced. Uh, he's a long-standing, experienced doctor in family medicine. Uh, he's been uh, essentially in rural hospitals for a long period of time, covered emergency rooms, has been an early treatment COVID doctor, one of the three doctors who treated inpatients with COVID. And we have a lot to talk about with respect to medical freedom for those individuals who are running for and will occupy uh, elected offices in our state, uh, local, and federal governments. Dr. Witcher, welcome to the McCullough Report. Yes, thank you, Dr. Peter. Yeah. Okay. Good to be here. Well, let's open it up. What do you see as the issues right now? We're three years into the pandemic. What do you see as uh, the next major segments of activity that we're going to see in the wind down of the pandemic and moving forward from there? Well, I think what we're seeing is, is people across uh, Mississippi and the nation have lost uh, confidence. 
and our public health uh, officials, the CDC, FDA, uh, and, and, you know, we, we're going to have to address that. So this public loss of confidence, where did it come from? Well, I think, uh, you know, it started in the beginning, you know, when uh, uh, they brought in the lockdowns and the mask and, uh, you know, it didn't make any sense. It was where you don't need a mask. Then Dr. Fauci says you need a mask. Uh, do you need you know, a surgical mask? Then you may need two masks, but only masks work at a certain level. You know, you walk in a restaurant with a mask, but once you sit down, you can take the mask off. All, all this didn't make sense. And I think the general public is a lot smarter than one would think. And so, uh, you know, they just... Uh, that's where the confidence level uh, started to erode early on. So there were parts of this that just uh, defied common sense. And then the oscillation back and forth, the inconsistency. Can you think of, uh, as a doctor, any periods of time where you oscillated back and forth on things? Or are we pretty steady in medical practice? Well, I mean, you know, this was something new that came out, no doubt about it. I mean, the, this was uh, the a new illness, you know, you could argue, well, we're about, where did it come and that sort of thing, but it came out early and it was totally new. And, uh, you know, uh, many of us guys on the, on the front lines, we were seeing COVID patients from, from the beginning. I was working, I was a medical director in the ER and, the, and over the hospital program, we started seeing these COVID patients show up early in the ER and uh, admitted them. And, uh, you know, we started using what uh, I think like you and other doctors around the country, Dr. Zabzalenko and and these other doctors and yourself, and I was using hydroxychloroquine, vitamin D, zithromycin, and uh, uh, multi-drug therapies on, on patients in the in, inpatient hospital setting, and uh, I felt like I, I was making progress with these patients. So, um, you know, but as we went on, uh, there was so much um, uh, the, the leaders, our government, the CDC, Dr. Fauci, could not get uh, set on any particular uh, item, but but yet they started vilifying things that were working that us uh, doctors on the ground were actually using that worked. So there was no doubt about it that there was uh, active undermining of solid attempts to try to help people. And I think that's what really got all of us concerned that, wait a minute, that, that, that there's active efforts working against uh, doctors and nurses trying to help sick patients. I mean, it was uh, a situation that none of us could imagine ever would happen. Uh, and many of us want to blame things at the, um, at the federal level. But tell us about the state level and what, uh, uh, in fact, was happening at the state level. What was happening in this state, in Mississippi, for example? And uh, and how can we learn from that? Well, here in Mississippi, you know, I've been a doctor here for 25 years. This, this is I'm born and raised <laughs> in Mississippi, and uh, you know, we're considered a red state, but it, it became political from day one. And uh, our public health officials here in Mississippi, primarily Dr. Uh, uh, Dobbs, he was very much pushing whatever the CDC and the FDA and Dr. Fauci um, wanted wanted them to do. And so this is a doctor that does not see COVID patients. Uh, and so he, he was relying on this uh, data that, uh, but not, not relying on the doctors on the ground that were actually seeing patients. And so very quickly, um, you know, there was, I was not the only doctor in Mississippi that was 
treating patients with multi-drug early intervention protocols, although I didn't know exactly who, who all were at that time because, um, you know, we, we were all busy working. And so, um, but we knew that, uh, you know, what Dr. Thomas Dobbs was telling us was exactly what Dr. Fauci was saying on the federal level. And uh, once again, it just didn't make sense. These lockdowns, the mask, you know, locking down healthy people, closing businesses, schools, and even churches, it all just seemed like, uh, uh, you know, just a, a draconian measures. And matter of fact, that's what, that was the words that, that, that Dr. Our, our public health official kept using in the state. If people do not follow the guidelines, he would go to draconian measures. And so, um, you know, as a doctor working in the ER, we're, we're around infectious diseases all the time. And so, you know, none of this made sense to me personally. I mean, you know, the hand washing, the, you know, uh, you know, if you're sick, stay home. Those things are what we would normally do. But locking down everything, including the hospital, by the way, I mean, we wouldn't allow family members into the ER with their loved ones. And that's that's just not a good way to practice medicine. You know, you all you rely on the loved ones to help help manage patients. Now, in Mississippi, you don't have a state surgeon general, but you do have a state medical director. The person you're referring to is Dr. Dobbs. During the heat of the pandemic, did he have absolute authority to make decisions? He did. And uh, he even went so far as to make it illegal if you left your house at COVID-19. And so, you know, we were uh, eventually we, we uh, got to our, our uh, governor, who's a Republican, who many of us voted for. And we, we, well, I say we got to him. We, we tried to get to him. We uh, tried to get him to call a special session in the fall of 21, for example, during the uh, Delta pandemic, because, you know, things really got out of control during that time period. This, is, of course, after the vaccines rolled out. And Dr. Dobbs, I mean, he, he wanted to push the vaccines at all costs. Even he even would use words like they're super duper safe. And uh, he, he even put out a standing uh, memorandum for the state for all pregnant women and lactating mothers to get vaccinated. Uh, and so these things were um, it was really off the rails early on. And, but we could never get our governor to to uh, to listen and even um, even get a, a second opinion, get get, get some uh, fresh eyes on the subject. So isn't that part of the problem? that in the setting of a declared emergency, that whether it's the state attorney general or state medical director, that there's autonomous power with no checks and balances, no oversight committee, no group decisions. Uh, were any of the practicing doctors ever consulted as a group in this state during the pandemic? Not, no. I mean, I can tell you what I learned later, and this was in uh, early 2022, was, uh, for example, there was one group of doctors in Greenville, Mississippi, that had been treating COVID patients from day one as a group. We're talking about internal medicine, uh, cardiologists, pulmonologists, critical care doctors, hematologists, oncologists. They had set up a group, a COVID care group early on and had been treating uh, hundreds of patients and trying to get their data out to all physicians around Mississippi. And, uh, you know, we didn't get that information. I learned that they went to our, our public, Dr. Thomas Dobbs, to try to get that published in our Mississippi State Medical Journal. And uh, he uh, pretty much squashed it, squelched it. He, he would not allow them to publish it. And when they finally did, he came back and put an editorial in the same, uh, that same uh, publication and said that was basically a throwaway journal. So here you had a group of doctors in 
Mississippi, in Greenville, Mississippi, led by uh, led by Dr. Robert Corcoran, who we're going to meet a little later on in our conference here in Jackson, who had learned to treat patients using ambulatory medications and credibly saved thousands of lives where no loss of life occurred in this community that was so lucky to have these doctors. They went to the effort of collating their data and producing a manuscript, publishing a manuscript uh, in the Mississippi State Medical Journal, and then it was openly undermined by the state medical director. That's correct. And so, um, and when that occurred, you know, I didn't even know this had occurred, uh, but we had a doctor in our group, Dr. Carol Hill, who's a retired OBGYN doctor. And I say our group, we, we founded uh, Mississippi Against Mandates in the fall of 2021, my wife and I did, to push back against the COVID vaccine mandates. When they started mandating the vaccines for us in the hospitals to get vaccinated or we'd lose our jobs, many of us had, did, did not get vaccinated. That's doctors, nurses, healthcare workers. So we formed a group and started pushing back. And so we, one, one person in our group, Dr. Carol Hill, she did a FOIA request and she got emails showing where Dr. Dobbs were uh, trying to silence these doctors up in Greenville, Mississippi. And so uh, we, we came forward with that in uh, February of 28th of 2022. We went on the radio, we talked about it. And then I think uh, during that same that publication of the Mississippi State Medical Journal, the editor, Lucius Lampkin, finally admitted and wrote a two-page article to say skepticism in medicine was good, a good thing. And so with that information, uh, on March the 8th, Dr. Thomas Dobbs, he resigned. And so we feel like he he, he was forced to resign. And so, um, you know, and, and, and that was a good thing, but it was he should have resigned a lot sooner than that because he pushed these vaccines. He's the one that promoted during the Delta variant that this was the pandemic of the unvaccinated. And he even got our governor to state that from the governor's platform. So this is a very interesting piece of modern History. We're reporting from Jackson, Mississippi, uh, and I'm talking to Dr. John Witcher, and we're learning about uh, how a group here in Mississippi learned how to treat patients. They went to the effort of publishing their, publishing their medication, their results in a in a medical journal, Mississippi State Medical Journal, undermined by the state medical director. The editor steps in, and then tries to put a fair balance statement in, and then the medical director resigns. You know, the interesting thing about this, and I think, honestly, if there's a silver lining, is that it was out in the open that uh, you had this uh, public discussion, you had a state medical journal, and this happened. There were so many states where uh, reprisals started to happen. Did that happen here in Mississippi? Did the Mississippi Medical Board then independently start to professionally damage doctors? Well, that started before, okay? So, and uh, when we, when I stood up, and uh, my wife and I, in uh, the fall of 2021, I, I put a Facebook, uh, did a Facebook video, and just pleaded with our governor, you know, as a, as a, someone I voted for, we voted for, and I asked him, I said, listen, your constituents just want to uh, get you to go easy on these vaccines. We don't know about these vaccines. Listen, by this point, I was treating vaccine injured patients in the ER, so we're talking about late February 2021. So I was just concerned to say, let's don't push these vaccines on everybody. There's a risk. They need informed consent. We don't know what the informed consent are because we don't know the risk. And so we, I was pleading with the governor and uh, I put that out. And that's when we started Mississippi Against Mandates. And immediately when, when I put that out, 
I was uh, investigated by our licensure board the next day. The next day, it was almost as if the licensure board was on Facebook listening to, to every word. So we have this history here in the Deep South where uh, there were fatalities due to COVID-19. Um, we know the fatalities are related to risk factors, older age, obesity, diabetes. Unfortunately, this is the South is rich in in uh, risk factors like that. What were some of the next things that happened at the state government level that started to bring you into this thinking that you really have to step forward and start to to take a leadership role in state politics? Well, once again, I mean, to see the um, the bias of our state health uh, officers, uh, office, Dr. Thomas Dobbs and, and uh, the public health service, and then many of our government doctors in the state of Mississippi, and we have a, a very um, uh, tight-knit group, our one state-funded medical institution, charity hospital, here is in our capital, Jackson, Mississippi. And, and many of these leading doctors also got on the same bandwagon as Dr. Thomas Dobbs. They all got together. As a matter of fact, Biden sent his White House COVID team vaccinated coordinator, coordinator, vaccine coordinator down to Mississippi in August of 2021. And that's when it really got started. When that uh, doctor showed up, he met with our public health officials and our UMMC doctors, many of the lead doctors. And he, he basically uh, that's soon after that is when they came up with that whole line. This is the pandemic of the unvaccinated. I think they, they really tripled down at that point and said, we're going to squash anything that can treat COVID and we're, we're just going to push the vaccines. This was also the same time period that Dr. Dobbs called ivermectin a cult following and that it was horse dewormer. And he went on the national news to say that Mississippians were dying by the groves for taking horse dewormer from the tractor supply shop, which was all a lie, by the way. The next day, that was overturned. It was really, many people were calling in a toxicology line, but they were calling in because they want to know what the dosage was to take. So it sounds like here in Mississippi, the state medical director picked up on two major propaganda campaigns that were waged at the federal level. The first was a crisis of the unvaccinated, which was at one point in time parroted in the same day by virtually every major mainstream media uh, station. And many people fell into this, believe it or not. I, re, re, I distinctly recall that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis also stated that it was a crisis of unvaccinated. And we knew at that time that the proportion of people in the hospital just largely matched the proportion of those who were vaccinated. And the second propaganda campaign was horse dewormer, where ivermectin currently is at 95 uh, clinical studies, 45 randomized trials, about a 50% reduction in mortality, no single trial large enough sufficiently powered or adequately designed to be conclusive, but doctors essentially have found ivermectin uh, to be effective uh, in their clinical practice as part of routine care and definitely safer than that of Tylenol. Well, since the departure of Dr. Dobbs, have, have things changed? Well, before Dr. Dobbs left, they created a position called the Chief Medical Officer of the State Public Health Department, and they put in a doctor there who I know personally, we, we go way back, and I always thought, him, thought of him as being a reasonable doctor. But, uh, you know, when he came in, he, he carried uh, the uh, the banner the, or the torch, so to speak, forward. I mean, he was the one that he, he literally 
uh, he said if he was king and he was in charge, and this is before he, he was made, the, the uh, before he took Dr. Dobbs' job as a state health officer, he was still chief medical officer, but he, I watched a video where he said if he was king, if he was made king, he would make um, everybody wear a mask and get vaccinated. And uh, he, he even leaned forward and, and said, mask work, period. Okay, so, but, you know, we know this is nonsense. I mean, certain, you'd have to have a mask with, you know, filters on the side, et cetera, for, for it to be that effective. And so we, um, no, he's just carried the same same tone. And, and as a matter of fact, throughout 2022, of course, COVID has become a less of a, a, a very effective a problem for patients. But, uh, you know, for example, on the on our, our state, uh, web, uh, Mississippi State Public Health Welfare, the website, it showed that we had about uh, more deaths from vaccinated patients in the hospital than unvaccinated, but yet they took that off of the website. But tell us the last numbers you saw. The last numbers I saw, it was about uh, 68% of the people that died in 2022 in the hospital from COVID or with COVID were, uh, were vaccinated. Okay. So were there any signs recalling this history where there was a public health official or a related uh, elected or appointed official who admitted they were wrong or policies were wrong? Did anybody actually capitulate or was it just more doubling down, tripling down? Well, at this time, uh, there's no more billboards putting putting out all over town. We had uh, the Mississippi State Medical Association. We had the health department. We had everybody. Uh, I don't know how much money they spent on billboards, but they were all over Mississippi. You know, the Delta variants deadly get vaccinated. Uh, Vax up Mississippi. That was from UMMC. And uh, our Mississippi State Medical Association, they put out uh, signs with children with uh, capes on them to say, Vax up your little children. They're, they're heroes. Or, or they would put a pregnant woman there and say, you know, please get vaccinated to protect your baby. Or an adult hu hugging their child and saying, your, your child's indispensable. Get them vaccinated. This sort of it's it's propaganda. I mean, you know, you can't uh, any new medication. We don't we don't talk about safety, safe and effective. They should have been talking about risk and benefit profile because that's really we know there's a risk, uh, especially a new medication that we know nothing about these vaccines. So all this was was really just propaganda, and it continues to be propaganda. They they're now at this point, what our politicians are, and and those leading doctors that pushed all the vaccines and the lockdowns and the uh, and vilified the uh, early intervention multidrug therapies, they've gone quiet. Okay. They're not, they don't want to talk about it anymore. And so, um, so they don't admit they're wrong or they don't admit that the policy was not uh, uh, appropriate or, you know, needed to be rescinded. They just let things go quiet with no explanation. That's correct. Our governor had a state-of-state state, uh, union address um, a few weeks ago and didn't really mention much about COVID. He talked about the $6 billion we have in the bank and, the, you know, and, and how he, um, you know, he's, he's, um, he's brought businesses into Mississippi. But the last three years, I mean, the biggest thing in his whole uh, governorship, and he, and he didn't really mention anything about it, that's upsetting to, to, to many Mississippians, including myself. So three years of hardship for many people, lockdowns, job loss, loss of friends and families, deaths in the hospital. He gives the state of the state address, no mention of COVID. No. 
No. So we've had over 13,000 people die in Mississippi. And if, and if they would have used early uh, multidrug therapies, including ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, vitamin supplements, much like Dr. Peter McCullough has been promoting from day one, and like these doctors were doing up in Greenville, Mississippi, uh, this Dr. Robert Corker has treated over 10,000 patients up to this date, COVID patients with zero deaths. So, you know, Dr. Peter has reported about 85% of the people didn't have to die, but Dr. Robert Corcoran's data shows 100% of the people didn't have to die. So all these mis- Mississippians, 13,000 plus that died, many of them did not have to die. Okay, and that's what we need to be talking about. And these vaccine injured that we're having now and these suddenly died, you know, we need to know what's happening. Uh, they need to be recognized as vaccine injured for, for number one. And, and, and these people that are dying suddenly, we need to do autopsy on it and check and see like other states are doing to get to the bottom of this. Well, we've been talking to Dr. John Witcher down here in Jackson, Mississippi, on location. McCullough Report goes to all ends of the world in the country to bring you news. We're going to take a pause right here because we have a big announcement on the next side, the backside of the McCullough Report. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is the McCullough Report. We are fighting the ultimate fight between good and evil. AmericaOutloud.com replaces groupthink with innovative think. Well, it was Walt Whitman, the poet, who said, keep your face always toward the sunshine and shadows will fall behind you. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. Let me tell you, this is an innovation. The Genesis Fogger uses HOCL. This is a form of hypochlorite. This is a powerful disinfectant uh, that is tried and true. It's for sure kills SARS-CoV-2, the COVID-19 virus, but many other pathogens, including bacterial as well as uh, mycofungal pathogens, enter the Genesis Fogger. It is a powerful mister. It's a dry mist and it does cleanse the air. It does uh, have an, a tremendous uh, disinfectant capability for the room. It's used for industrial purposes uh, and elsewhere, but now it's brought to you in your home to better defend you against SARS-CoV-2, the virus, COVID-19, as well as a host of other pathogens. So if you go to uh, the uh, promotional code and enter in out loud, you can receive a discount off of your first purchase. So go to the Genesis Fogger website and take a look at it. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is the McCullough Report. And I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. I am so pumped. I'm stoked because I'm here in Jackson, Mississippi with Dr. John Witcher and on the McCullough Report. 
Court, we're going to make a major announcement. We've been talking about the reforms that are needed in state government with respect to pandemic response and the path forward. And Dr. John Witcher has a major announcement. Dr. Witcher, what is the announcement? Yes, thank you, uh, Peter. My announcement is that I'm running for governor for the great state of Mississippi. I've been a Mississippian all my life, born and raised. And actually, I go back well, at least five or six generations on both my mother's and father's side. So I've been a, I've been a Mississippian all my life with many generations past. And I, I love Mississippi. And, uh, you know, we, we could do a better job in Mississippi. We have lots of problems. But uh, we, in the, the last three years, our leadership, in particular Governor Tate Reeves, has not stepped up and he's not protected Mississippians like he could have. He's locked us down. He masked us up. He closed schools, businesses, and uh, many people lost their jobs. Okay, as a doctor, we we helped people get uh, exempt from vaccination, but many people still lost their jobs. Okay, others were coerced and taking the vaccination to keep their job. Okay, our governor want, he's asking for four more years of his job. What about all these other people that lost their jobs? They get their jobs back? Do they get back pay? These are some of the questions we want to ask our governor. Well, you know, the election here in Mississippi comes up uh, pretty quickly. It's actually going to be in, in August. You'll face uh, uh, an election in August of 2023. Uh, what will be some of the uh, important uh, points of your campaign, the, uh, the, the, the pillars, if you will, of what you're going to run on. And we'll just draw the circle around the, the medical things that we would cover on the McCullough report. So what types of reforms would you want to see uh, with respect to pandemic response and health policy? Well, first, we have to regain some confidence in our public health institutions. Okay. And what, what we're going to do, if I'm governor, is we're going to develop a, like a, a public uh, health integrity committee. Uh, blue Ribbon Committee, so to speak. We're going to bring in some outside sources and, and some inside sources right here in Mississippi. We're going to bring in doctors that actually treated COVID patients, not doctors that just looked at uh, the CDC's data and, and uh, followed whatever the CDC, Dr. Fauci, or the FDA pushed them to do. We want a uh, fresh pair of eyes on people, doctors that have actually been down with the patients and uh, treated them. So uh, we're not going to go with just the uh, government narrative. Uh, we we want to go with uh, science and ev evidence evidence based science. But isn't it fair to say that uh, the developments in any type of rapidly developing pandemic uh, that any state level committee or officer has to stay abreast of them because there will be some important statements that come out from public health agencies that you certainly wouldn't want to miss or ignore. So let me throw out one. How about the world health uh, uh, health organization's announcement November 4th, 2020, that remdesivir should not be used in inpatients because it does not improve mortality and causes kidney injury and liver injury. If the, we had another pandemic and you had such a worldwide warning go out, shouldn't the state medical director or surgeon general or this accountability committee, shouldn't they at least hold a meeting and discuss that? Oh, absolutely, Dr. Peter. That you know, I remember when you you brought this to many of our attention early, and that was in 2020, late 2020, when 
the World Health Organization said don't use remdesivir, and we were still using it. It was being pushed on us early 2020 to use in the hospital setting, and, and still it was, I, I mean, that's how in uh, December of 21, I uh, finally said enough's enough. I, I'd studied. But was there any meeting, any formal meeting where that WHO contraindication was reviewed by this state? Absolutely not. It was missed by everyone. We cannot have state legislatures miss this. And this was part of my Texas Senate testimony to the Health and Human Services Division. I said, listen, who's paying attention out there? That happened on your watch. We cannot have major warnings go out and have them ignored. I mean, this is the type of thing. This is a complete and total blunder. Let me throw out another one for you. In June of 2021, the World Health Organization says, do not test any more asymptomatic people. This once a weekly testing, testing to get on planes, testing in school. The, the same question goes to you, John. Did anybody here in the state review that WHO declaration or, or was it ignored and companies were still doing testing and school doing testing? No, it was totally ignored. No doubt about it. So those are two examples where the World Health Organization made the correct correct decision. Now our CDC says we don't need to do weekly testing. Uh, now the WHO has reviewed remdesivir a second time in May of 2022 and published in Lancet Respiratory Diseases that, again, they were right. Remdesivir does not improve outcomes. And none of these were formally reviewed in the state of Mississippi. And to my knowledge, they weren't formally reviewed in the state of Texas. How about the declarations that came from the CDC through 2021? Let me give you one. Rochelle Lewinsky comes out in the summer of 2021 and says the vaccines don't stop transmission of the virus. She comes out and tells us that. That means that somebody fully vaccinated could have that pass. Was that reviewed at the state level and did that influence policy on mandates? I can tell you that was not uh, mentioned here on the state level. All that was mentioned here was that, you know, the only way we're, we're going to stop this pandemic is to get vaccinated. Okay, they, they just said, you know, you get vaccinated, you won't get COVID, and you won't transmit it. Okay, which, which we, we did not believe it at the time, but, and it turned out to be the case, that it didn't stop the pandemic, it didn't stop the spread of, the, of, the, of, of, of COVID, and so, but they didn't, our, our public health officials, our, our state government did not check up uh, at the time when it was known. Well, I mean, the CDC gave us some helpful information. Once the CDC reviewed the data, and there were papers by Farron Hope and Venkata Krishnan and others that clearly showed the vaccine did not uh, stop transmission, that should have halted any forms of mandates. Let me give you another one. The CDC says that we should not do PCR testing and run the cycle thresholds greater than 28 that we should keep the cycle thresholds lower so when we do have a positive, a smush model could be too positive. Was that ever reviewed? Were the, were the lab testing procedures in this state ever reviewed for who was in compliance with the CDC and who wasn't and actually tried to standardize things in lab testing? So my knowledge is not done in, in the state of Mississippi. I mean, in many cases, these, these tests were, were sent to uh, the people's houses. 
and uh, you know it was um, so I didn't I didn't see any standardized um, really overture uh, oversight of, of testing on, on the same. So those would be clear things of just paying attention to what the CDC does, and then at some state committee level to at least review it when you have a weekly meeting. Say, listen, what are we doing at cycle thresholds of 28? And uh, let's do a, a quick statewide audit to make sure that uh, we have all of our testing calibrated to where we don't go above 28. And we don't generate a bunch of false positive tests. So uh, that was something easy. Let me throw out another uh, simple thing. Our FDA says that we should not rely on antibodies testing to discern the immunity. We shouldn't use testing as immunity. Yet there's been eight emergency use authorizations for the COVID-19 vaccines based on antibody rises. So the FDA is going against itself. Were any of these emergency use authorizations for the COVID-19 vaccines, were they ever challenged at the state level? Not that I can recall. So again, this is another example where the states, when they could follow our regulatory agencies and help the public, they didn't do it. They, they got stuck on some type of narrative, which turned out to be the least helpful narrative. Actually, even when our federal agencies were trying to help us, they actually weren't helping. They, they weren't even discussing this. I mean, this should be in the, in the records of what your um, state medical director is doing or alternatively your surgeon general or your health and human services committee within the state uh, that they're discussing. It should be an agenda item. When something big comes out in a pandemic, uh, there ought to be somebody, typically a surgeon general or, or a doctor who's paying attention saying, listen, the CDC just came out with something. I wanted to put this on the agenda of HHS to at least discuss it. And my experience, and I've testified twice at the HHS uh, in Texas, is that it's just a report. It's a report from a bunch of agencies that are following whatever they think they want to do, like percent masking, percent vaccines, percent nursing home evaluations. So while we're on this topic, how did the nursing homes fare in the state of Mississippi during the pandemic? Well, I can tell you from my own personal experience working in a rural Mississippi town that, you know, the uh, first wave, that's who mostly was hit is the, the nursing homes. They all were infected. Uh, there was two in my little or three in my little town. All were infected, uh, affected, infected. And many of these um, were very elderly patients, already bedridden, much of them at the end of life already in their setting. And so these were the majority of the people that, that died in Mississippi early on. Uh, now, did they die of COVID? Well, many of them died with COVID. I had patients in their 80s and 90s that, that made it through COVID. And, um, but, um, but many of them were such that they were on their, uh, literally on their deathbeds. And so they were not given heroic measures. At my little hospital, we, uh, we, if you intubated, patient got intubated, they get transferred. We don't have an ICU unit. So, um, so I can tell you, you know, the first, in 2020, most of those patients that, that died in, in my area were nursing home patients. And I think that was the experience of, of the entire country. Now, in New York State, uh, it, it was known that there was a policy, and I later on learned in New Jersey the same policy, that nursing homes could not, um, they could not reject a COVID-positive patient coming back into their facility. And so that reinfected the nursing homes. Did you have that same thing going on here in Mississippi? 
We did. Uh, we had, uh, you know, we were trying to figure out what to do. And many times, uh, you know, we were trying to keep the patients at the nursing home and treat them at the nursing home in kind of an isolated area. But uh, many, many of these needed oxygen and then our, our local nursing homes could not provide the oxygen. So they would come to the ER and we'd admit them to the hospital. And so, um, you know, it was no, it was difficult to try to determine how and where to treat these patients. But uh, in the end, I would say most every nursing home patient in, in that town, which would have been probably in the uh, thousand or so, all, all ended up getting affected, uh, getting COVID at some point. So we're at a point in time now where most of the nation's been through COVID. We're winding it down. Is the state of Mississippi still under an emergency declaration? It is um, following whatever Biden has has put put down. You know, we have, um, you know, uh, as you can walk around Mississippi and see, as you're here with us, uh, Dr. Peters, you know, there are still people that wear masks and there's no, it's not mandated per se, but I can tell you there's, there's still, uh, and, it's, and the vaccines are not supposed to be mandated, uh, but uh, I'm still helping people get exempt, uh, especially in the healthcare uh, field. If, uh, you know, if you're a nurse or a nurse practitioner, many of these, uh, before you can get a job or go to, go to school, um, they'll, they want you to get vaccinated. So you still have to go and ask for the uh, exemption forms. Um, we have we, we have most people get religious exemptions in the state of Mississippi. It was much easier to do than get medical exemptions because they would have a doctor on the other side and say, "Well, this doesn't meet CDC guidelines for for exemptions for COVID-19." So uh, you know we're um, uh, so you know that's where we're at. But you know we don't know what's coming up next uh, as. You know, uh, we feel that uh, we, we can never allow uh, ourselves to get in the situation that we were in the last three years. We cannot get locked down and, and lose uh, businesses, uh, lose jobs. And, and our, our children, you know, holding them out of school, they missed lots of time where they're developing their skills. Uh, and so um, it's, it's hurt our economy. It's hurt uh, emotionally. Many people were, have been um, uh, emotionally scarred. And, of course, the vaccines themselves are injuring people. And then, uh, uh, you know, we have people dying suddenly that we need to figure out what's going on there. And uh, and then we just have, you know, the, all these people that died in the hospitals that didn't have to die. If they would have got uh, multi-drug uh, therapies uh, such as hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. So, you know, we don't want to forget about what happened in the last three years. You know, patients are suffering. They did suffer. Loved ones suffered. And they're still suffering. And so we, we want to acknowledge what's going on. And in many ways, we want to have lessons learned. That's the reason why I'm here. And so many superstars are in town. I want to let you know that by the time this comes out, we would have completed two days of state congressional state house activities in the Capitol building here in Jackson. But on deck is Dr. Renata Moon, Dr. Paul Alexander. Uh, Dr. Jancy uh, Lindsay, James Thorpe, Christina Parks, uh, C, uh, React, C, React 19 leader Brianne uh, Dressen, uh, Kimberly Overton, who's in the house of the Nurse Freedom uh, Network and Remnant Nursing, Dr. Wesley Granger, Dr. Jeff Howard, uh, uh, Dr. Coleman Boyd's on the ticket, Ben Marble, he's been on before, leader of My Free Doctor. With, uh, America Out Loud's got a special relationship with my free doctor, uh, Dr. Robert uh, Corcoran, who we've discussed, who led the uh, Hero Doctors in Greenville, uh, Dr. Stuart Tankersley, who ran for governor of Alabama, a real gentleman, 
Uh, and remember, he leads one of the uh, uh, the afternoon pulse sessions, and then uh, here with Dr. John uh, Witcher, now gubernatorial candidate of Mississippi. Uh, we have some uh, uh, accolades we want to give to Representative Randy Boyd and Representative Carolyn Crawford, who I know Carolyn. She's dynamic and fun, great leader of the state that's allowed us to have our sessions uh, on lessons learned on pandemic response in the Capitol building. And uh, we have a great cadre of patients who are coming forward as vaccine injured patients. One Cody Flint, Ernesto Ramirez, father of uh, his, the son who died of COVID-19 uh, myocarditis. Jeff Jackson, who's had a horrible cutaneous reaction. Uh, Aaron Kasarka. Henrietta Samoas, uh, Elizabeth uh, Tucker, Attorney Michael Hamilton. I can tell you, you've put together a superstar cast. What do you want to achieve here in the next two days? When we uh, finish and this comes out and is published, it, the work will be done. You'll see it all over social media. You'll recognize Dr. Dr. Wisher because he's got a distinctive white beard. He's considered probably the most handsome man in the state. His wife, Brooke, is amazing. You'll see her, but tell us, as this eminent group coming forward in a time where the state is recovering and they want to move on, a lot of people want to forget about COVID, but we want to get this right for the next time. What do you want to achieve in the next two days? Well, we want to achieve, keep uh, Mississippi free. You know, this we have a God-given right of freedom. And so our bodies, I mean, this, this is something we all own. We have body autonomy. If you boil it down to we, uh, our, our bodies is what we own. And God has given us all rights that we should have to have a shot if we don't want one. Okay. That's just, that's just the bottom line. And so we want to uh, stop the shots right now. We want to halt them and further investigate the pharmaceutical industry for their fraudulent uh, advertisement of safe and effective when they knew they knew they were neither safe or effective. And so we see that as a misrepresentation, misrepresenting their products. And so we want to uh, impanel a statewide grand jury to investigate, uh, particularly Moderna and Pfizer, mRNA vaccine manufacturers. Well, statewide grand juries have been proposed now. Several states, Oregon was the first. Florida, we've heard a lot from Ron DeSantis and Surgeon General Joe Ladapo. Uh, one of the low-hanging fruits is wrongful advertising, advertising that didn't give uh, fairly the risks and benefits of the emergency use authorized therapy. Do you think you had wrongful advertising on the airwaves here in Mississippi? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, the CEO of both Moderna and Pfizer, I think they went everywhere. They went on uh, TV networks. They went on uh, Twitter, Facebook, all over the Internet, even on their own websites. They, they mentioned time and time again how how effective their vaccines were, even up into the 95% ranges, and uh, how safe they were. And uh, never they covered up all the risks. We know that Pfizer wanted to cover up their uh, data for 75 years and even got the FDA involved to help cover that up. But they were sued, and they had to bring that information out. And so our Dr. Carol Hill, had, had, and we, we sent, she sent this to our Many of our leaders and politicians in the state, over 10 pages of adverse events that the Pfizer shots were, were causing and that Pfizer knew about but covered up. Wow. And I think that the other big uh, issue 
that a lot of these statewide grand juries are going to have to address is fraud. Do you think that fraud was committed by public health officials? Did they defraud the state and falsely represent these interventions, that is, masks, lockdowns, and vaccines? Well, I don't know, you, you, you know, but that, that needs to be investigated. We need to look into why our public health officials would continually, continually go down a road, even when there's plenty of evidence, doctors on the ground, frontline doctors treating these patients with things that worked, that were keeping patients alive. And that why would our public health officials go and ignore this? Not only ignore it, but vilify it turn it around and totally squash and silence any evidence that that, 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 it, that they, they had, okay? So we, we do want to research and find out, uh, just we want, trans, uh, to be, uh, we want to be transparent. Did these public health officials receive grant monies or special monies or bonuses or uh, from these pharmaceutical makers? And we know our governor, Tate Reeves, appointed uh, to our Board of Health a Pfizer employee. Okay, now this was in October of 2022, after we had shown him in uh, February 2022 of these Pfizer documents that they wanted to cover up all these uh, adverse events for 75 years. He still placed a Pfizer employee on the Board of Health overseeing our health department. So uh, these are all things that we want to get to the bottom of because, um, you know, Mississippians want to know, they deserve to know. And so I'm going to be there to help them uh, get this information. This is astonishing. I didn't know a, a Pfizer representative was on the board of the state of Mississippi giving uh, advice and uh, a clear conflict of, of interest there as Pfizer was advancing their vaccines. Uh, you know, the, the final and I think the penultimate uh, step in a grand jury investigation before it's ultimately brought closed is were there serious charges uh, from a public perspective? That is, uh, hospitalizations that could have been avoided or deaths that could have been avoided. And do you think it could ultimately rise to the level of mass negligent homicide? Well, once again, this is something that, that needs to be investigated. This is why we need a statewide grand jury to look at uh, not only the vaccines, and uh, fraudulent advertisement from the pharmaceutical industry, Moderna and Pfizer in particular, but also we need to look at the whole system, the hospital system throughout Mississippi, okay? We know that these hospital administrators uh, pretty much strong arm the doctors into treating the patients with these uh, government, uh, Dr. Fauci hospital protocols with remdesivir and uh, intubation, and uh, you look at the people that were intubated and put on remdesivir at about day two, most all of them had to go on dialysis. This is unheard of. I've intubated lots of patients and they don't go on dialysis two days after being uh, intubated. So uh, this is a direct result of remdesivir. And uh, this was a direct result of the hospital administrators controlling the doctors to, to take care of patients. And even when doctors, uh, and I know some in Mississippi, that wanted to go against those protocols, they couldn't because they would lose their jobs. And so you have to ask, well, who, who's to blame? Okay, at some point as a doctor, even as a nurse or a per person in charge of patient care has to say, I'm gonna do the right thing for the patient. I'm not gonna just follow orders. And so I don't know what the outcome's gonna be, 
But I can certainly tell you that uh, there's many, many patients out there that have loved ones that died in the hospitals, and they want answers. Well, we've been talking to now gubernatorial candidate Dr. John Witcher, and you saw and heard how measured he was on a proposed grand jury investigation on pandemic response. And that's exactly what you want to hear out of a future governor. He doesn't know the conclusions of the grand jury because the grand jury hasn't been put together yet. And so many times we see a rush to judgment. Dr. Witcher showed great, great um, discipline uh, as a future elected official, probably the future governor of this state, in letting justice play out in the formal investigations in the courts, grand juries, and then probably uh, uh, a litany of civil as well as criminal cases that will be working its way through the system. Gubernatorial candidate, Dr. Witcher, do you have any final parting messages for our audience? Well, Dr. Peter, I just appreciate you and all you've done, and I thank you for coming here to Mississippi once again. We brought you here in September of 2021, and I can remember that. Uh, we were right here in the same hotel, and you told us back then that these vaccines were not fit for human use, and that was early on, and we've been following you uh, straight through since uh, my wife first uh, recognized you in 2020, uh, early 2020, and uh, you know, just so thankful that you continue to lead not only here in Mississippi, but all over the nation and literally all over the world. I know you just got back from Australia. And so we just appreciate all that you do in this fight because uh, you embolden us and you, you give us all courage. And that's we have to stand up for truth, for freedom, for free speech. OK, that's we listen in science. It's about uh, it's about debate. OK, that's how we learn. That's how we uh, that's how we uh, are able to. Uh, to, to advance. And if we if we don't have free speech as doctors and scientists, then we're not going to advance in our, our patient care. So I thank you for being on the forefront and, and to continue to be on the forefront, Dr. Peter. Wow, that was really well said. said potential future governor of the state of Mississippi. So exciting. We've been doing the McCullough Report from the lobby of the Hilton here. Sorry about the background noise. People are checking in. Uh, the next two days in the Capitol here are going to be busy. There's also some concurrent sessions we learned on election integrity. They asked us to attend if we possibly can. A lot of the leaders in our group are meeting now, uh, and we're going to go ahead and to jump into meetings. But I wanted to bring you this late-breaking McCullough report with Dr. John Witcher, gubernatorial candidate of Mississippi. Very thorough review, actually, of the interactions at the federal and state levels using Mississippi as a working example. And Dr. Witcher, I want to thank you so much for joining us on the McCullough Report. Yes, thank you, Dr. Pete. Let's get real, let's get loud. On America Out Loud Talk Radio, this is the McCullough Report.